Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. How many of you went out there who are not in middle and high school and you asked our folks at our student zone how you could get bacon this morning? And all of you heard the exact same thing. Come volunteer with us in the crossing on Sunday morning or on Sunday night with our middle and high school with our Springwell student ministry. Um, literally, that's how you end up getting bacon if you don't serve in those areas. And we, I, I'll just be honest, I'm, I love that. I love that we are uh, doing something just for students this morning, and I actually think it's going to turn into unintentionally, it really completely unintentionally is going to turn into a great portion of what's going to happen with the message today. We're not going to give you any bacon. Sorry for those of you who didn't have breakfast. It's 11 o'clock. You can, okay, hang on just a second. You can boo me if you want to, but you can still sign up to serve. Um, so I can still get the bacon out there for you. I think we have about 120 servings of bacon that are out there right now. And I'm pretty sure that like four middle schoolers went through half of that. So that's kind of my world that I live in every single week. But it is great to see you here this morning. Um, if, you were, uh, if you missed out on what took place this past week for our Christmas Eve services, you missed God moving in an incredible way. You missed, um, honestly, one of the most simple, yet one of the most amazing messages that I have ever heard in my life when it comes to the story of Christmas, and that was from Pastor Scott on Christmas Eve. And I would encourage you um, that if, if you weren't here, ask someone about that, figure out what you have to do to go back and watch that online because it was a great day. Um, and this morning, we had, a, or even this week, we had a Christmas where it was like 64, 65 degrees. It was something that was just kind of crazy. I'm not used to that. And then this morning, it's the, the temperature didn't change all night. We've gone like 13 or 14 hours. The temperature hasn't changed, and we have rain outside, so the elements are kind of different for us right now. We don't know really what to do here. It's kind of the temperature that we're used to, but then it got really you know, cold kind of a couple weeks before that, and it got warm again. And I think back to the beginning of, of this year. My, my brother and his family moved uh, this past January to Cedar Rapids, Iowa. He's on a church staff as well. And I know that there, there may be some people who would say, why move to Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and um, it was just simply because God said, hey, go, and so that's what they did, um, but in a moment, you're really going to understand that because during the end of January, when we had our really cold snap of weather, kind of the middle end of January of this year, we experienced some cold weather where our wind chills got down to right around zero. Uh, I think even a you know, the northern section of Greenville County, we had some uh, wind chills that were just below freezing. In Iowa, they had air temperatures that were like minus 20. And the collective groan in here were either from people who have moved from that area to here, and you're like, thank you, Jesus, for 65-degree Christmases, or you're people who are sitting there going, I've never been out of this state, and I don't want to experience that. I, I, I'll agree with you on that one. But I remember coming into my office that same week. Their air temperatures were that low, but they're, I mean, it was like minus 50 with wind chills. I mean, we're talking about wind that was so cold, air that was so cold that if you went outside and you stayed, you had exposed skin on your face too long, it would freeze. I know there are a lot of us who don't want any part of that whatsoever. 
I get that. I understand it. And that's just an element, literally a weather element that we have to fight. But that same week, we had some cold weather here. And and I know there were a lot of people who were complaining on Facebook and doing that. I was one of those people. Social media, we were talking about how cold it was. But then I started thinking, you know, it it could be worse. You know, it, it could be minus 25 outside. And then the air temperature goes even lower. That's the air temperature. The wind chill goes even lower than that. And then my, my attitude changed about it all when I walked into the office and for some reason our, our heat wasn't kicking on where our offices are at on our hallway over here. And um, it was 58 degrees when I walked in. Now that is a cold way to start your morning. When you walk into your office, you just want to figure out a way to get warm. You want to do everything you can. And I started thinking, how am I going to function? It's 58 degrees. And then I started thinking, wait a minute, the wind chill in Cedar Rapids, Iowa right now is literally 100 degrees colder than what I'm experiencing in my office. I have no right to complain. There was something that, where someone else had it much worse than me, and I thought that I had it worse, and it just gets to the point where my perspective kind of shifted on everything. Because as I was thinking about what was going on with me and how cold I was, and I was trying to keep my fingers warm, and I was saying, okay, well, I'll just, you know, have to figure out what I have to do. I'll just bundle up a little bit. At least I didn't walk outside and have the threat of having my skin freeze if it was exposed to the air too long. But I didn't want to hear any of that because I was struggling here and I like to play the victim card. I think a lot of us, when we have things that are going on in our lives, like to play the victim card. And all of that's based in perspective because what I started to learn then and I've learned a lot this year is that the perspective that I have about my life is often dictated by the elements that are affecting it. And I'm not talking about the rain that's outside this morning. And well done, bravo, pat yourself on the back, give yourself a hand, whatever you need to do. Um, Coming out in the rain this morning, they're talking about, you know, that we're going to have this for a little while today. It's nasty weather, you're still here, but there are these elements. And a lot of time we hear that and we think about weather only. But when our perspective starts to change, our mindset, our attitude, our lives start to be affected by these elements. And today, the idea of this service, which is going to look a little bit different, is going to be to help us recognize that the things that are affecting our lives and leave with a better understanding of how to fight them. Because the same way this morning as you were walking in, you didn't want to get wet. I'm one of those people who hate being unnecessarily wet. I just, I don't like it. So raincoat, rain suit, umbrella, the whole nine yards, like you can dress me up where I look like you know, the guy from the front of the fish sticks box, okay? Like, that's what I, I look like. I don't want to be wet. I don't like that. And we're not talking about how, how, much, how many layers of clothes you need to put on to stay warm or to stay dry, but today we're talking about the things that are happening in our lives and how we fight those elements. So we're going to look at two completely different responses to the elements that affect our lives every day, and we're going to talk through this in Acts chapter 16. And what we're going to see here is, an interaction that's going to take place, a group of people and a couple guys who are just following Christ. There's a guy by the name of Paul, and originally his name was Saul, and here is this man who is a religious leader, and he's persecuting the church, and he's doing everything that he can to, to go after people who are trying to live their lives victoriously through what Jesus Christ has done for them. He has this conversion experience where he literally meets Jesus on this road and then suddenly he's blinded by it his life completely changes his name changes and then post-conversion he becomes a missionary 
he's traveling around and he's telling everyone about, hey, there is this way, there is this man who died for you, who is fully God, fully man, he's the Messiah, he came so that you could have life. He's telling all of these things and he has people who go on these journeys with him. And one of the people who were with him was a guy by the name of Silas. For those of you who know me, we have like a 20-pound cat at home named Silas. This is not that Silas. This is actually Silas that's in Scripture. He traveled around with Paul during a couple of his missionary journeys. And in Acts chapter 16, we start out by seeing how there's this interaction with this woman who has this spirit inside of her. And there are these people who own her. She was a slave. And all she did was follow around Paul and followed around and just kept saying that, hey, these, the, what these men are proclaiming to you, they're followers of the, the Most High God, and she's doing this for a long period of time, and these owners are actually making a lot of money off of this woman because of this spirit that's inside of her. And I love that it actually tells us that Paul becomes greatly annoyed by this. He becomes greatly annoyed at this woman following around saying these things because they're in a place where Roman customs, Roman law was what was being dictated. And these, they're calling them out for being Jewish and he turns to the spirit, it actually tells us, and says, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And the spirit came out right away. Those are in Acts 16, verses 16 through 18, but I want us to go to chapter 19 because this possessed girl who has been making money for these people who, who owned her as a slave has the spirit cast out and something amazing happens in her life. But suddenly we see how people fight the elements that are affecting our lives a little different and how we have the choice to either be a victim in a situation or to be victorious. And that's what I want us to look at here for just a moment. So in Acts chapter 16, verse 19, it says, when her owners realized that their hope of profit was gone. They seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities, bringing them before the chief magistrates. They said, these men are seriously disturbing our city. Kind of like the overwhelming smell of bacon as you walked in this morning was seriously disturbing your appetite as you were trying to walk in. They are Jews. and They're promoting customs that are not legal for us Romans to adopt or practice. So immediately we see a response to fighting the elements that are affecting our lives, the situations, the circumstances, the relationships that are going on in our lives where we just don't know what to do. We don't know how to respond to them, so we immediately start to kind of play the, the victim card, which is what happens here. Notice that there's this word owners. These people were taking advantage of, not only taking advantage of this person, it was in a horrible situation but they were actually making a profit off of her. But when the fortune-telling opportunities are gone and they see that their profit's going to disappear, they actually drag them out in the marketplace, they throw them before the authorities, and they say, these men are disturbing everything that's happening because when we're a victim and we like to play that card, and I'm saying that today because I've been in this boat a lot this year. I like to sit back and say, well, you don't understand how what you did or what you said affected me. So I'm, I'm going to come after you. You're disturbing what I want. You're disturbing my happy, peaceful little life. And sometimes we get to the point where we do that with God. Sometimes we get to the point where we do that with our family. Sometimes we get to the point where we do that with friends. We get to the point where we do that with coworkers. 
They're making money on a girl who was suffering from a horrible situation. But once her life changed for the better, in an instant, in the name of Jesus, the spirit comes out of her. Her life radically changes, and they lose a source of income. Have you ever been affected by something great that was happening to someone else? And you didn't understand how that great thing was actually making you feel worse? I think a perfect example of this, this is not in the notes, but this is where I said the bacon was going to come in handy this morning. This is an unintended consequence of, this, of today being our students on and tomorrow being National Bacon Day, which is the reason we have that out there and we're celebrating it. Some of us walked in this morning, we smelled bacon literally as we were walking through the door. And it was kind of one of those things like a cartoon where you smell it and it hits your nose and you just float right to where you're going. We floated right over the bacon and we got there and then we saw the big student zone sign and we're like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm 41, but it's okay. I'm still in 11th grade. Like, that's what we were, we were trying to pass that off. We still had something, you know, like we had a card from in high school or a student ID or something we were trying to pass off so we could be a part of that. I get that. And I know that all of us would have loved to have had that, but that was an area that was specific for middle and high school students this morning to celebrate them and our volunteers and to say, hey, we just want to do something special for you today. But for some of us, we sat back and we thought, I just want a piece of bacon. Why can't I have a piece of bacon? I understand that. But what about the student who walked in or even walks in after the service and engages in a conversation with some volunteers who love hanging out with the next generation? or some other students that they see maybe that they go to school with that they didn't realize that they came to church here and it gives us an opportunity to be able to talk to them and help them understand that they matter. And they say, you know what? If they're willing to do this, like, their life could change radically. But for some of us, we just sit back and go, I didn't get bacon. That element's affecting my life. How do I fight that? How do I battle that? I remember going through a similar situation, not with a bacon, but a similar situation where you have something great that happens to someone, and in the midst of the great thing that's happening in your life, you just kind of forget about that great thing and start focusing on how your life is affected by someone else. Before our daughter Hannah was born, um, the church that I was serving as, student pastor, um, the guy who was working alongside with me, um, had the opportunity to leave as our middle school pastor and take over the student ministry actually at a, at a church that's really close to us right now here in this area. And um, we should have been excited. Should have celebrated more than I actually did, but Michelle was eight months pregnant. And I was furious because there was this entire plan that we had kind of been working on and the way that we were setting it up, at least in my mind, I knew how everything was going to go through the summer, whether I was going to have to spend an entire week at camp or I was going to come back home and all of these things that were going to take place through everything that was going on. And in my mind, there was going to be profit by him being on staff. And when he left, I didn't know what to do. The initial thought that went through my mind was, how could you be this selfish? How could you be doing something that, yeah, it's going to affect your life and it's going to be for the better and it's what you know you're called to go and do, but I, I don't like that. What's happening here is 
when these owners realized that they're not going to make any more money, they reacted the way that I reacted in the moment. I forgot about the fact that in a month, we were going to meet our child. And I was going to be a dad. And all I could think about was how my life was going to be affected and was going to be, in my mind, miserable now. Because this guy was leaving to follow what was happening. The blessing in his life actually turned into a curse. That's what happened here. They go after Paul and Silas. They start talking about spreading this Jewish propaganda here in this town. They drag them to the authorities and they choose to fight the elements by taking out their frustrations on other people. They become the victims. When in reality, in that moment, Paul and Silas were actually being victimized and more so than that, it was the woman who had been possessed by the Spirit. See, Victims cave to the elements that are affecting their lives. So many times when we start to to get upset or we get down or we get to the place where we say, okay, I don't see any hope here. Something good's been happening. Now this is taking place. Okay, who can I go after? Who can I attack? Now I'm not talking about people, and in some cases this, this may be it, but I'm not talking about people who are actual victims of some kind of crime or abuse or uh something else that's going on in our lives that seem horrendous, but I'm talking about those of us who fight the elements by blaming someone else or blaming it on something else. I've shared this before with some of the folks who are in this room, and I I remember when I was in middle school uh, playing on the the basketball team. Uh, We had a shoot-around. We were not any good. I'll just be honest. We were so bad. We weren't making anything. Uh, We weren't making any shots from any place on the court. It did not matter. We weren't winning games, and our middle school coach wanted us to have a shoot-around before a game one day, and so he tells us to go in, and we're just in cutting up, joking around, and and I'm in there doing that. I'm participating in that, and he comes in and starts screaming at us, get out on the court, we need to shoot, so we're going to go run out there, and we're going to shoot around. Well, in a hurry, you know, we all get dressed real fast because we were supposed to be out there like five or ten minutes before this. We needed the extra practice. Come on, we were no good. We knew that we were no good, and we were like, oh, whatever. Okay, so he comes in and yells at us, but I start to throw everything on and go out. We get in our layup line, and we start to do layups, and as we're out there doing the layups, I notice that some of the guys on the team are looking at me. They're like, what are you wearing? I'm like, what are you talking about? What are you doing? I'm out here doing layups. I need to practice the same way you do. You may actually need to practice a little bit more. It's kind of what's going through my mind because they're saying this stuff to me. As an eighth grader, I'm thinking like this. And so then all of a sudden, someone else walks up and the coach yells at me and I look over at him and he was like, what are you wearing? And I was like, what do you mean what am I wearing? I'm wearing the same thing that everyone else is. I'm wearing my basketball shoes. I'm wearing my jersey that I'm out here for warm-ups and I'm wearing my warm-up shirt over it. I'm wearing my compression shorts. I'm wearing my practice shorts. No, I'm not. Y'all, I looked like Lance Armstrong doing layup drills. (laughs) Compression shorts. I have on my basketball shoes, my my shirt, my jersey that's underneath that, and I am just, I just start screaming at everyone. I'm screaming at people on the team because I'm blaming them. When I was in there and could have gotten dressed, I could have come out. 
but I was blaming everyone else that was in there. That's what starts happening with these guys. They see what's going on, but as long as, as I have this victim mentality, I'm going to struggle to see that blaming others aren't going to change the things in my life. I still look like a complete goofball running around in compression shorts, basketball shoes, without having this. I mean, I looked ridiculous, and I was embarrassed. But I did the same thing that these guys did, even though something great happened there in that woman's life. All they could see was what they were losing. And as a result, they became victims when this woman was actually the victim originally. And now they're blaming it on someone else and they're making them the victim. So having this victim mentality, I'm going to struggle to see that blaming others won't change things. That's what we like to do. We like to attack people. We like to attack people who are, who are innocent, who have who are even trying to help a lot of times. But over the next couple minutes, I want to give you a sneak peek into what happens, not only into the lives of these men, the people who are in leadership, but also Paul and Silas who have now become the victims. Because instead of having that mentality where we blame others in our circumstances and situations... I need to fight the elements in a completely different way. And I want to show you what that looked like for Paul and Silas and give you a little sneak peek into how we change that mentality from being a victim to being a victim. darkness my God that is who you are and you are way maker miracle worker promise keeper light in the darkness my God that is who you are sing it again you are way maker miracle worker promise keeper Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are way maker, miracle worker, promise keep. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are.
sitting here at the end of 2019 and as we sing of the goodness of God and his faithfulness the truth of the matter is that 2019 may have been a really really difficult year for some people in this room and there's going to be some battles that we're going to face in the year 2020 because of some things that have happened in 2019 But maybe as we walk into this new year, maybe just in this moment, we just need to sit for a moment and, and we just need to remember who God is and that he is faithful, that he is good and that he's gonna walk into that new year with us. And the struggles that we carry and the battles that we're gonna face, he's gonna be right there with us. So maybe just without, without us singing, Maybe we could just all close our eyes for a moment and, and you can just talk to your Heavenly Father. Father, in this moment, God, we are reminded that you are faithful. God, that in the midst of hurt and pain and struggle, God, that you're always there because you always have been. And Father, we can leave this year in worship we can walk into this next year not afraid of what we're going to face in the coming weeks, in the coming months. God, because you're going to be right there with us. You've never left us. All my life you have been faithful And all my life you have been so, so good 
every breath that I am made, oh, I will see the goodness of God. Cause all my life you have been faithful, all my life you have been so, so good. Every breath that I am able, I will see the goodness of God. All my life I will see of the goodness of God. Yes, I will and I will see of the goodness of God. may be seated. I think there are probably some of us in the room right now who are familiar with the remainder of the story that we're about to go through and we're going, wait a minute, we, we got to something a little early. But the reason that I wanted us to, to stop there and the reason is we had talked through this and planned this service, thinking through that we need to fight the elements in a completely different way is in my mind, these are the things that had started going through this woman's life who had been changed. These are the same things that even in a moment, these are the things that were going to have to be in Paul and Silas' minds because of what's about to happen to them in verse 22. It says the crowd joined in the attack against them. It wasn't over yet. The chief magistrate stripped off their clothes and ordered them to be beaten with rods. And after they had severely flogged them, they threw them in jail, ordering the jailer to guard them carefully. Receiving such an order, he put them in the inner prison and secured their feet in stocks. About verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. The same thing that had been going through their minds in advance we're now going to be tested. Were they going to blame the people who were taking advantage of this woman, even though they had helped set her free through the power of Jesus Christ? Wrongly accused, blamed for spreading this quote-unquote Jewish propaganda in this, this area to these people. Now they've been stripped of their clothes, they're beaten with rods, they've, they're flogged, they're thrown in this inner jail, and, and this escalated quickly. This one small group of people who thought of themselves as the victims actually had gotten everyone else stirred up. And they literally go after Paul and Silas. Because wounded people wound people. Victims find other people to go after. And, and what I mean by that is that when I've been hurt by the circumstances in my life, I have a tendency to bring other people to my level of pain. Whether I'm actually at that level or not. It may not be a physical attack, but it's going to be an attack that's meant to hurt. I've fought a lot of that in the last year and a half. But 
Well, my dad passed away in June of 2018. Dealing grief doesn't end when a calendar year changes. Dealing grief doesn't change when a season changes. Dealing with grief doesn't change just because one holiday happens and then another, but in the grief, I became the victim and everything that everyone else was saying, I turned it into, why would you say that to me? You know what I'm going through. I'm gonna bring you down to my level of pain, whether you know it or not, in my mind, in my attitudes, in my action, and, and I'm so sorry to anyone that I have done this to, and I've sought forgiveness from individuals and from groups, and I've sought forgiveness from staff, and I've sought forgiveness from family. Because I realized that I became the victim. And they were the ones that I was actually hurting when they were only there to help. And instead, what I did is that I became the victim myself. Don't fight the elements in our lives that are affecting our lives by attacking the innocent. The only way to really fight them and to experience victory and not to remain in that victimized mentality is to worship through them. Paul had been on house arrest, but this is different for him. He's been beaten. He's been severely flogged, stripped. He's been accused of things that haven't actually happened. And then here is he and Silas, and they're in this inner cell, possibly underground, probably no more than about 20 feet in diameter, and the stocks are actually attached to the walls. There's a big difference here in being on house arrest. But when my circumstances change, my worship shouldn't change. It was no different for him from the moments after he experienced that life change when he met Christ on that road to the moment when he was right there, beaten within an inch of his life, not knowing what was going to happen next. These guys had gone from free to captive, from healthy to beaten, but their attitude didn't change, and here's why. Because I've heard this said, and the first person I ever heard say this was actually the same guy that I got upset at at that last church. There are two times when we worship, when we feel like it and when we don't. The times where you feel like life and circumstances, the elements that you are facing on a day-to-day basis, you may see what's going on in your life and you may not understand what's happening, but believe me, there are other people who are watching, there are other people who are listening, and if you will take and understand that the victory that we have in our life doesn't come just because we sing a song. It comes from knowing and understanding and meeting the one from the source of that victory, and that's Jesus Christ. Because he was victorious over death and hell and the grave. He was victorious over sin. He was victorious over all those things. And so even in the midst of what was going on, even in the midst of a worse situation than what he had faced before, Paul sang, and he understood it. And people listened. Do you think they felt like praying and singing? They could probably barely hold their heads up. But they did anyway. And as a result, something miraculous happened. And here's what I want you to understand today. Because we set the stage for what took place. For some of us, we sang that and we love that idea because we felt like we've been the victims. We felt like other people have treated us 
Like they've been the victims when we understand that we didn't think we've done anything, but even maybe our mentality shifted. But this isn't about what people have said or even people have done to us. This is about us individually today. Understand that victims cave to the elements, but victors worship through them. Because what was about to happen next, I'm just gonna read this quickly. It's not gonna be on the screen, but I want you to understand this before we move on. Paul and Silas are singing. The other prisoners are listening to them and it says suddenly there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken and immediately all of the doors were opened and everyone's chains came loose. Well, that's a different way to look at it. When the jailer woke up, he saw the doors of the prison standing open and he drew his sword and he was going to kill himself since he thought the prisoners had escaped. If there was ever a time for the people who had been treated like the victims, the guys who had understood the victory through Jesus Christ, understanding these things, if there had ever been a time for them to say, you know what, we're going to get our revenge right here. This was their chance. But Paul called out in a loud voice to the jailer, don't harm yourself because we're all here. The jailer called for lights and he rushed in and he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas and he escorted them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? He could have been the victim in that moment as well, but instead he started to understand that there is victory through something that's much bigger than the elements that face our lives, through the circumstances that we go through, through the things that we're facing on an everyday basis. They said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. You and your household, because they knew it was gonna be bigger than one person. They spoke the word of the Lord to him with everyone in his house and he took the same hour of the night, washed their wounds. Right away, he and all his family were baptized and he brought them into his house, set a meal before them and rejoiced because he had come to believe in God with his entire household. So if you were sitting there going, so why the, the victim and victor mentality? What's the difference here? Victims cave to the elements that are facing them. People who are victorious, people who are going to experience this in your life, there's only one way this happens. It's through this relationship with Jesus Christ and understanding that we can't do it by ourselves. And that God loves us. He is crazy about us, as Pastor Scott says, so much so that he sent his son that when God came to earth, he was fully God, he was fully man. He never sinned. And he could have played the victim card, but instead provided us a way to be victorious. The same victory that these guys experienced, the same victory that this jailer and his family experienced, the same victory that this woman who had been possessed could experience. And there's a thin line between these two. Because as I get tired from fighting the elements, I can swing to the role of the victim. But what I have to remember is how God's delivered me and others in the past. And if God could do that incredible work in that woman's life, he could do it for Paul and Silas in that moment. But more importantly, he's worthy to be praised whether he intervenes or he doesn't. So I want you to keep in your mind the victims cave to the elements, but victors worship through them. And the way we understand how to worship through them is that we're not fighting the battle by ourselves. Through the grace of God, by the faith that we place in what he has done for us, by confessing that we're sinners in need of a Savior and that we can't fix that and that we are bound in this inner prison of our sin and we can't get out of it. Turn to God. Even if you have been blaming him and playing the role of victim, he is not going to do that to you.
Some of us have already seen some people in the room today who have been singing at the top of their lungs even though we know what's been going on in their lives. Raising their hands, worshiping, refusing to be victims in the moment but to be victorious as we worship through these elements. And maybe it's made you want to do the same thing. Maybe you're not Paul and Silas. Maybe you're the other prisoner. The other prisoners who are sitting around, maybe you're the jailer who feels like that even in this moment, God hates you so much and you've done so much wrong that something's going to happen because when the the breakthrough happens in someone else's life, when the victory happens in someone else's life, we always think that there has to be a loser in that. No. No. We want to give you a chance. And if today you stood up a moment ago and you didn't understand where this was going and what was going to happen, to understand that there is one source where this victory comes from and it is God alone and that he is worthy to be praised in the midst of it. So real quick, what I want to ask you to do is just close your eyes. Think about this morning. Think about your 2019. Think about this morning when you walked in. Think about how you're going to approach the next few days. Maybe you've, it's been a long time that you follow God and you trusted Him, but you're still living in that, that victim mentality because you're just wanting to come after other people. But you realize now you have the option to be victorious. Not because of what you can do in the next few moments as you sing. But because of what the one who was victorious and wears the victor's crown that power that defeated death, the power that raised Jesus from the grave is the same power that allows us to worship through those elements, those circumstances. When our circumstances change, our worship shouldn't have to. It never should. And there is one who is worthy of to be worshipped through all of this. The same one that Paul and Silas in the midst of hopelessness chose to worship. And it wasn't just them that experienced victory in their lives. It was everyone else who was around. You alone are worthy. You alone are holy. You alone are wonderful. Almighty God. Yes, you and you. 
stand and sing.
Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Oh, Jesus Christ, my living hope. It's we were singing just then and maybe through the service you've been sitting there thinking wait a minute I've realized that maybe I've had more of a victim mentality than that idea of being victorious that idea of being victorious through what Jesus did for me and this morning if you're tired of feeling like you're bound you're tired of feeling like you're you're shackled and that there's no hope you've been in desperate situations before but you realize you can't get out of this there's nothing that you can do to, to change the fact that you're a sinner. There's nothing that I can do. But God loves us. God loved you. God loves me so much that he sent his son. God came to earth fully God, fully man, never sinned. Jesus Christ had every right to play the victim card and he didn't do that because he knew he was going to be victorious. And as a result, we could experience that too. So I want to ask you to close your eyes for just a moment. Maybe this is our opportunity to say, where do we feel like a victim this morning? That mentality where we're just blaming everyone else, we're attacking everyone else. We've been wounded, so we're just trying to wound others right now to make ourselves feel better. But you have that relationship with Christ. Remember that same power that changed you maybe minutes ago, days, weeks, months ago, whatever it may be, years still lives in you as a follower of Christ maybe you just need to start singing and watch what happens like I said earlier maybe some of us have seen people singing today and worshiping through the elements and we've recognized that maybe we look at them and say wow if they can do that then maybe I can too the way we do that is by experiencing that victory in our own lives and that happens when we confess our need for a savior we admit that we can't change ourselves we believe that God loves us that much and he did what he said he would do and that Jesus died and then he rose again so that we could experience victory and if that's you today just right now in this moment just pray something like this God, I admit that I am a victim, but it's of my own sin. And I can't fix that, and I can't change that, and I've tried to blame everyone else. I've even tried to blame you, but that's not going to change anything. But I do believe that you love me so much that you made a way Christ came to earth was sinless was blameless just nothing like me but he died he was sacrificed so that I could have life so that I could have victory 
So I confess my need for a Savior and I commit my life to you today. I ask you to forgive me of my sin, to save me, change me, and make me something new. And as we've been sitting here singing, God, as we've been sitting here praying, I thank you for the earthquake that's happening in people's lives right now in this room. Prison doors are swinging open. The chains are falling off. But that others are seeing and hearing the change as well. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to worship you in the midst of the worst circumstances and see how you not only affect our lives, but you affect the lives of so many others. And as we get ready to finish up a year and move into a new one, that God will remember that even when we don't feel like it, we worship. Thank you for what you've done here today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.